Hello and welcome to They Just Get It. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm, and I'm exceptionally excited today, as I often am, for my guest, my long-term friend, my top 40 under 40 alumni, and someone I'm looking forward to getting to know a hell of a lot better. Good morning, Miss Colleen Pound. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show. It is my pleasure. We've been we've been we've been chasing this one around for a while and moving dates, and we finally got it lined up and got our technology sorted. As we are we are recording remotely because we are still. I think we're in week for Calgary, anyways. I think we're in week seven of the the current uh, work from home lockdown, work remotely, d- distributed work, whatever you want to call it. So we'll maybe we'll maybe touch on that as as we as we move along. But how are things been faring for you? Because I understand, and we'll get into it. You started a new job during this whole this this whole time frame. Yeah, I mean, I actually couldn't have asked for a better entree into a new organization because it's pure chaos, and uh, <laughs> and yes. so so it's I'm not the new kid at school to the same extent because everyone is uh, was in a state of flux when I started, mm-hmm. and so I really appreciated and benefited from uh, some of the ironic gains or the silver linings of being in this uh, remote work situation in that I love working from home. Uh, my first day was they, uh, the team that onboarded me did a really great job, uh, great communication, got us our technology. I was reminded that I consider myself to be somewhat technology knowledgeable. And also that's at the same time setting up a new computer, absolutely tapped out all my technology skills. You, you ran <laughs> so to the became, end of your skill set pretty quick. <laughs> oh yeah. Like it was, it was a real humbling moment and I for sure got intimate with our IT support system and our help desk super quick. Um, but I really like the intimacy of, you know, these zoom calls and working from home because you get to see people in a way that you may not have otherwise seen them and get to know things about them that you may not have known for months or years. And, and so I really benefited from that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, not going to lie. Sometimes my throat hurts after the end of a 12 hour day full of calls. Yes. And it, it, uh, it is amazingly, uh, the day, my, my days go by faster than I, like, it, it's ridiculous how quick they go by and how literally the moving from one call to another and taking the two minute, like it's energizing and exhausting. And I think you're right. As much as we're social distance and you don't have the random bump ins at the water cooler or whatever you want to call it, there is a level of intimacy that comes from like getting on a screen and staring and like having a conversation with somebody. I, I don't know. I'm still like navigating how I feel about it, but I, I, I haven't, I, I, buddy, I, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I think there's definitely some pluses that have come out of this kind of forced like let's try something different because we we have no choice and oh by the way we're all in it together there's something unifying about that as well the all in it together is very powerful right like i i can't overstate that enough and for sure i mean there's some things that we, we just become more aware of like we need to get up and move around you know the extent that we can take a call outside and get some fresh air mm-hmm. um you know those type of things in general though I also really appreciate that people are checking in on each other. And I think that I hope that that's one thing that we continue no matter what the future of work looks like is that continued empathy and compassion to check in on people and see how they're doing. This has actually made us a bit more human. I think there's a, the caring is, like Carrie's been to come a little bit cooler. Like it's having someone like, Hey, just thought I'd reach out and see how you're doing. You're like, yeah, thank you. Like, that's great. Like it doesn't, and that's all it has to be that's like over, but that little gesture goes a long way. And I think when you're seeing everyone every day, there's just an assumption. Like I see you, so we must be good. Or I, you must know I was thinking about you, but here you have to take that extra step. But it is noticeable hundred percent. I agree. Well, you also don't come off as a weirdo. Like if you were to <laughs> check on someone six months ago, just say hey, like, how are you doing? They would say, "Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. What do you like? What do you want?" You well, there's, know, there's also a risk to be defensive. Like, what do you mean? Like, I'm, I'm t- what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? How am I doing? I, well, I'm fine. Why? Did, who told you? Did you talk? Did you hear from somebody? <laughs> Absolutely. So, so I appreciate it because it provides a cover for my weirdness. You know what? And that I think that's a good segue into. I'm not sure what, but it feels like an excellent segue. <laughs> I do want. <laughs> I do want to formally, as someone I've known you for quite a few years, I want to congratulate you on your new role. You've recently made partner at Deloitte Canada. And maybe tell us a little bit, I know we're going to get into your whole journey here and kind of start, start from, start from the beginning. Uh, but like, that's a huge milestone because you've been working for your own, running your own kind of, kind of your single, I want to use the word single shingle. That almost sounds like I'm minimizing it. You've been running your own business, working for yourself for a long time. And now you've moved back to a full-time job. Like how's even that? How's that been? Yeah, it's one very exciting 
feels fantastic. And, you know, as you pointed out, moving from running my own practice to joining one of the world's best brands, it is a huge change. And so I kind of look at it as moving from being an entrepreneur to moving into an intrapreneurial role. And it's been, it's been fantastic. And, you know, one of the main levers for me at the core of who I am is that I like to help people. And so moving to Deloitte just allows me to help more people in more ways. And yeah, you know, like there's so many benefits. I'll, I'll jump into two that I've kind of realized within the first couple of weeks. One has been, you know, as an entrepreneur, you are responsible for everything. The buck stops with you. You're the one who's always looking going forward. If things are going well, you know, it's probably the market and a little bit of good fortune and a little bit of you. And if things are going terrible, it's all on you because you should have thought of all those things. And, and yes. so one of, one of the things that's been really great and it probably something that I didn't think about was it feels so wonderful to have someone else who is deeply personally invested in your success. You know, just that feeling that you're not alone and you're not out there on that branch flapping in the wind. And that's not to say that business partners and colleagues and clients and friends and family, that's not to say that that support wasn't there. However, there is something deeply meaningful and personal about having someone else be invested in your success and committed to helping you succeed. So I think, you know, that's been one. And the other is, I don't know why this surprises me, the opportunity to have a true peer group, you know, to, to be able yep. to connect with people and, and to have some fun. Like I remember when, you know, when I was working uh, for a company 18 years ago, we, we laughed, we played practical jokes, you know, we had that sense of community. And then as a, as a small independent firm, advisory firm, you're extremely bound by confidentiality. So you can't, really bounce any ideas off of anyone else. Um, and uh, your clients are really your main touch point. And so there's a lot of intellectual and social isolation. I mm-hmm. think that yeah. comes with being the leader and also dealing with very serious and sensitive issues for clients that you can't really talk to anyone about. And ultimately, when it's still a client vendor relationship, when you can you can, you know you can develop great relationships with your clients, but you're ultimately they're still the client and you're still the vendor. Where when you go back to your office, there could be some commiserating, there can be some inside jokes, and that's the one piece that you know I haven't not that I've applied a huge amount of energy to it yet to figure out because that's one thing our team is missing. Where we're a marketing company, so there's, everything is nuanced, everything is you know, you're under fire all the time. So the jokes are what keep everybody sane. And those just happen because you're walking through the office. And that's definitely, I see it a little bit on the calls, but it's not the same. So, you know, just thinking about our current situation and being, there's a lot of entrepreneurs that, you know, like you said, are isolated by the nature of the DNA of what they do. Now that we're all in in, in that boat, uh, that's the one piece I'm not sure how we're going to get that back. And that's a whole, I think we could have a whole episode just on talking about the office culture piece with the caveat that when it's good, what do we, how do we replace that with a distributed work environment? And that's a, that's a big conversation that we won't tackle today, but it'd be interesting. I'm interested to see how it unfolds over the next, you know, kind of two to six months and how, what, what going back to normal looks like. Well, and I also agree with the whole concept of the distribution, Um, you know, distributed fun. The fun is not all on you, right? Like I was on a call (laughs) a, a couple of weeks ago where someone was wearing a white and blue plaid shirt uh, a, a gal on our team. And, and one of the guys said, Oh, he said, I think I have that exact same shirt. So, you know, 30 seconds later, he reappeared on our call with that same shirt. And, uh, and then we talked about, well, who doesn't have a white and blue plaid shirt in their closet? So probably within two or three minutes, everyone in the team had gone into their closet, put on some version was as close as what they could. And then when our, our leader got on the call, he, all he saw was the sea of white and blue. Yeah, I'm, I'm picturing the, the Zoom or Teams <laughs> panel. Like it literally it probably looked like a picnic basket. <laughs> Absolutely. And he's like, well, what's going on here? And, and we kind of told him, he goes, oh, he goes, well, I don't have a white and blue plaid shirt. So, but I think I have something better. And he comes back a minute later in this bright Hawaiian shirt. And it was just like, I mean, five minutes of our call. Yes. We're still talking about it. Which is, which is great. And you're, you're right. I think it's just, it's still there and it's still very possible. It's just a little different. 
Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, and there's new things, there's so much new opportunity that can come from this situation and we yes, just need to I, find out what that is. I absolutely, yes, I, I absolutely agree. And that, that is the exciting part, not to, you know, I'm very bullish on this crisis because I do believe it's forcing, it's fast forward a lot of change that I think was coming and created a lot of opportunities for change that we hadn't even, you know, it's hard to imagine a future that you haven't experienced, which is always the case, but this is definitely kind of re- We've we've taken the snow globe and shaken it up and kind of rolled it down the hallway and go, oh, when you pick it up again, it's gonna look very different than it did before. And that that is exciting. So let's before we prophesize too much on, on the on the future and you know put on our robes and speak very, you know, very wisely, let's talk about your history. And this is where I know I have a gap. First of all, are you are you a Calgarian? Yes, born and raised. Okay, I did I didn't think that. And I know you've gone to school all over the world. I say that in a very like because I think you're very I think that's very cool. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is accurate. Well, what I will say is, you know, proud, born and raised, native Calgarian, Albertan, Canadian. I think we've been born into this divine geography. And if anything, the this most recent experience has reminded us that no matter what challenges we deal with on a day-to-day basis, we're very fortunate and we have a lot to be grateful for to be here. Um, uh, but um, yeah, other than, you know, I lived in Taiwan. Um, Aarhus, Paris, Oxford, um, almost three out of four of those were for school. And then the rest of the time I've been here and I, no matter how much I love going away, I always love coming home. Uh, that's you. We, we are incredibly fortunate. As I, as I look out at this beautiful blue sky day, it's not windy for five minutes, which is amazing. You know, I, I was joking with some friends the other day. Could you imagine going in, like going into this lockdown in November versus coming, you know, in it in spring when at least you've got some optimism when you look out the window in this big sky country that we live in? No, you're, you're absolutely right. I think that there is a lot of, there's a lot, traveling is mandatory, but having somewhere to call home that you're very proud of goes a lot, goes a long way. So talk to me a little about your schooling. So I, I know you're very, you're, you're very widely schooled. So, but what, what's kind of, what was the crux of it for you? Did you kind of what you started down the path from school? Is that where it ended up and it's just been different versions of it or did it evolve along the way? Well, I come from a long line of teachers. So okay. education has always been really important. Uh, my great grandmother was one of the first women to graduate from the University of Aberdeen you know, way back when. And, mm-hmm. you know, my grandma was a, one of my grandmothers was a teacher in a one room schoolhouse. And then my mom was a teacher. And so oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, education, very important. My mom was the only person in her family to go to post-secondary um, out of three kids and numerous foster kids. And so, so education always been very important. And um, I love the, I love learning new things. I like being challenged to think differently. And I think because I went to school locally for my undergrad degree in political science. Well, first let's talk about how I decided on political science. I thought for sure I was going to go into business and uh, you know, or, or into law. Those are my two tracks. And um, I took a, a class in political science where I didn't, did not enjoy the teacher at all but still love the class. And that's when I was like, this is the, this is the track for me. If I can, if I can take something where I can't stand, stand the person delivering it and absolutely love the subject matter, then there's something in it for me. <laughs> that is, that's a good, that's a good <laughs> green light, red light kind of, kind of criteria. Yeah. Well, and, and so, yeah. And then I, you know, I did that and I, and I got my first real job, you know, I, I I've worked, worked since I was, you know, 12 and, and probably a little bit before. Um, so, you know, always worked a ton, but had my first job and, and then started to really learn about the intricacies of business. And, you know, when I looked at going back to school, one of the experiences that I was missing was that peer group and that cohort, because when you go to school, in the same city that you live in, you don't have an on-campus in-residence experience. Right. You know, and, and I look at my peers, my friends in the U.S., and they're all their friends that they made in college or university, those are lifelong friendships. Like, they're very tightly bound together. And that was something... Well, those are I, such formative years when you're struggling, you're, you're uh, like, to learn, and you're, identif- like, creating identity, and the people that you share that with, absolutely. I know a lot of people that have gone to school abroad, and I feel like I kind of missed out on a little something there, or that they have these groups of peers all over the world, and that is an interesting dynamic versus kind of going to school where you're from. It's very different. That's what it's 
Yeah, I, I agree. So so that was really what prompted and and of course I had moved to Taiwan for a bit of time uh in '99. And that was formative for me because I'd moved to a place where I'd never been before to do a job I'd never done before. And I didn't speak the language. And like, there was a whole bunch of culture shock that I wasn't prepared for. And I did not enjoy it at all. And um, so when I looked at going to school, I applied and paid for my plane ticket. The same, like I applied. And then the minute I got accepted, I booked my plane ticket so I couldn't change my mind. <laughs> nice. You, 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 you create, you created your own. Yeah. You shored up your own situation. <laughs> Absolutely. Nicely Absolutely. Nice, uh, to know thyself, <laughs> even at that young age. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, and, and not that young. That was the other thing is that when I, when I started going overseas for school, um, I was probably, the, you know, at least for the the first couple of years, one of the oldest people in residence. Okay, you know, like I'm 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 30, and I've got kids who are 18 to 20, you know, down down the dorm. That's an interesting experience unto itself for a variety of reasons. It is the the big joke was that I would make my friends in the elevator. I, it's still it's still actually is true by the way, um, but uh, you know I I was new and so I think all of my close friends uh, at uh, in Paris I met in the elevator. Well, I don't, I, I certainly don't know you as a shy individual and I'm sure that you maybe weren't then either. I don't know. I'm just, you know, when you know somebody, you're like, oh, they must've always been this way. Have you always been, cause you are outgoing, you are direct, you are, well, you will lean into, I know you hate when I say lean in actually, um, you'll engage in any conversation. That's the Colleen I know. Has that always been the Colleen? Have you always been the Colleen that I know and love today? I think aversion, yes. And I think, you know, probably as we go through a bit of our careers, sometimes we become a little less of ourselves and then we grow back into ourselves. Oh, That's kind of okay. how I see that that journey. You know, I think my parents had a lot to do with, uh, you know, obviously forming me and I think were some of our experiences. And so, you know, my mom was the, um, you know, the larger breadwinner in, in the family. My dad actually worked two jobs. Okay. And, um, and, and she was very independent and it actually never occurred to me that I couldn't do anything that I wanted. And I often get uh, asked awesome. about that specific aspect to, to, you know, what, what gives you the license or the agency to feel like you can speak up or say something or say no. And, and it always for me comes back to, it never occurred to me that I couldn't do anything that I wanted to do. And so like, I think that that's, that's pretty incredible for, you know, uh, for my parents to have been able to build that for me. And, um, I'm actually an extroverted introvert. So I love like <laughs> this, right. Yep. Um, I get so much energy from our conversations and, and then I need that time to recharge. And I think that that has, you know, progressed over time. Uh, whereas before I could just go all out energy all the time. And then as I've kind of, as I'm settling into kind of the second wave of who I am, I, I like more time and more quiet and more contemplation and more reflection for sure. Mm, that's interesting. I, I've not, not to just jump on the bandwagon, but yes, I, I, I fully appreciate what you said. And it, it, you know, is it the passage of time simply just shifting or is it as you grow into like, Oh yeah, there's this part of who I am, but then, you know, I forget that I, or maybe I wasn't nurturing that other part. And I think that is, that is the joy of, of being on the journey. If you if you go on it long enough and pay attention to it and actually be aware of what's going on, you start to pick up like, Oh yeah, no, I don't need to be like the life of the party all the time. That actually kind of drains me. But when I was younger, Oh no, it was like, turn it up to 11 and break off the dial kind of situation. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and and I think also we need different things at different times in our life and we're we're more open, you know, I'm as you know I'm a big friend, uh, fan of Brené Brown and so yes. like I I'm very much about being open and being vulnerable uh, even though sometimes we think we're being vulnerable and we're actually just, you know, putting on the facade of seeming like we're being vulnerable, uh, which is a whole other vulnerability is it vulnerability is <laughs> can also be a tactic. Let's remember that, folks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That, sure. that I have employed on occasion to be, I'd be lying if I said I didn't. Oh, I'm super vulnerable and really transparent as I'm really just laying out the wit the way I want it to unfold. <laughs> yes. Well, there, busted, I, busted. <laughs> there's another talk on vulnerability as a tool for manipulation for another day. Um, yes. You know, as people are kind of going down that track. But um, I think also when you're younger, you're just willing to put it out there for everyone. And then you learn hmm. circumstances under where you, where it's safe to put that out there and where it's not. You know, Danielle Laporte says something like, 
you know, be open with your heart and be kind and be really, really open and then put a fence around it and only let people in who deserve to be there. Having and, a gate, having a gate isn't a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Boundaries, right? Like yes, you, need exactly. to, you need to be able to establish um, those boundaries and know your audience, right? Who deserves to be in, inside the fence. And, and yeah, where is it appropriate and where is it not actually? And that, that I think that's definitely learned over time. So thinking back on your journey, obviously your parents really set you up for success. And it's great to hear that, to give you those tools that you never even, it's funny. I, I had someone on a while ago. She was the, one of the first females. Uh, do you know Alice Wheaton? I know of her. I don't know her personally though. I had Alice on and Alice has been Alice for a long time. I love her. She's just a powerhouse. And she was the first female salesperson. Uh, to, I think she was number one salesperson in Canada for Xerox back in the seventies, which when, Incredible. when she got the job, they, she, they said, well, before we hire you, we're going to have to ask your husband's permission. And oh, she's like, God, and I said to her, I said, so Alice, I said, you know, I'm just going to be curious. Did you ever experience any of these, like being a woman, did that hold you back? She laughed. She goes, no, Tyler, because that wasn't even an option. I don't think anyone would even dared. Like when it's not even your filter that there's another option, it just isn't. So to hear you, you know, kind of growing up and giving that credit of you were given the right tools to be like, no, I can just be who I am. I can have my opinions and I can show up. Not everybody has that. And sometimes you have to learn it later, but to get that at such an early age, did you have mentors? Like, obviously you were very in school teaching teachers and people in that environment can play a huge part. I've had other guests talk about it. Did you have anyone, men, women that really helped kind of at those formative years kind of help steer you or that were really became your peer group that has more mentors at that point? I think I've been super fortunate to have so many people. Um, you know, I'm just even rewinding to, to grade school, right? You know, you just, uh, a great example is there was a few of us who were kind of plucked out to do some extra work and we got to do things that no one else got to do. So we wrote a play, we, you know, studied Latin, we, you know, did kind of all these extracurricular things to kind of, I think, keep us out of our teacher's hair. So, you know, you know, the individual who identified that, you know, me, Jared, Brad and Kareem were the people who needed to kind of be given extra tasks. Um, you know, like, I think that that was, that was huge. I, I always appreciate when people go out of their way to make you feel special in a way that is authentic for you. And so, so I think that that's a great way. Um, you know, if I look at junior, junior high, you know, for sure, a couple stand out, my assistant principal, uh, Ruth Ramsonwood, who is a powerhouse in her own right, who uh, who I love and respect dearly, um, you know, definitely definitely modeled some of those things. I also went through around in junior high, like I experienced like a very personal change. So um, you know, like our we had a great life, like lots of vacations, all that kind of stuff, upper middle class, and then um, you know, the year that I was in grade seven, so I guess that's about 12, was my mom got really sick. Um, and, uh, you know, okay. she, she became really mentally ill. And um, and so that really changed everything about my life. Like you talk about what, what were the moments in time mm -hmm, that really absolutely. impacted who you are as a person and those formative aspects. So I would say that that was a seminal moment for me in my life because I went from, you know, living this great, great life to living a different life, which was, I was a parent co-parenting with my, my dad, because my mom was mentally ill and, um, and she was struggling with who she was. She's this, you know, great, successful, educated, powerful, kind person. And then through no fault of her own, she was just in a different space and there's nothing that she or anyone else could do about it. And so oh, wow. it was very and you're, and you're 12, based. 12, 13 years old. Yeah. That's interesting. Speaking of formative times in your life, as you're kind of like moving into what's my identity now, that kind of teenage identity to have that as a, at a left hook. I know you're very involved in community initiatives, supporting people that need help. I'm assuming what that came from a lot of that at that time and where you've uh, you, you had a firsthand experience. How did that, how do yeah. How do you think that that was formative and how long did that, like, did your mom I'm sorry, I don't, I don't want to use the right, I don't want to be and sound insensitive. Did your mom recover? Did she, how did she get through it? Or was this, has this been something that became ongoing support for you over the years? Yeah. You know, and I actually appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. So, um, you know, here's this woman who is super powerful and then she was in a very vulnerable situation 
and doing her very best and just could not climb out of the hole. And so, and that's what bipolar does to folks. And so, um, you know, and, and as she tried different things, there was varying levels of success uh, early on. And, and so there's some challenges around how do you, how do you treat someone you love and respect uh, with respect when you also have been parenting them, you know, when they're trying, when they've got their, when they've got their hands on the top of the hole and they're looking to be pulled out, um, at, you know, and you're helping them. And then once they get out of the hole for even a brief period of time and they want to assume what they previously had was a parental role and you're like, yeah, we're, we're equals or I'm still parenting you or I'm going to be parenting. Oh, you so interesting. Yeah, and- the dynamic that that would change and especially being at a young age while that's happening. That's really interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, like I would say, um, you know, we're talking a lot about my mom. However, it, it just, there's so many things I learned from her. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I was, I'm a, I was a very black and white kid, you know, it was either a yes or a no, very principle based, very justice based. It still am in a lot of aspects, but if it wasn't for her, I would not be able to see any gray, you know, because, uh, because I saw who she was and then, and then what happened to her. And, um, and then there's this whole stigma that goes with mental illness that, you know, people who are mentally ill, they, they talk about themselves as their illness. They, it's almost like they lose their identity and they, you say, well, so tell me about you. And, and they lead with, well, I'm, I'm bipolar. It's like, well, that's your oh, illness. Inter- yeah, interesting. Talk about using, who you, you are. That, that becomes your identity versus like who, oh, that's interesting. I haven't been close enough to it to have experienced that that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, one of my very good friends, Salima Walji Shivji, she teaches at the university uh, faculty of law and faculty of social work. And every year she invites me in to do talk to her class to talk about what was our experience in the healthcare system and mental illness and what the impact of social work is on that. And I always start with a story about, you know, how my mom grew up and who she was and what her experiences were, how she met my dad, because I really want them to know her as a person first and then a patient. Right. It's, it's always um, easy. It's like, because, because the label runs the risk of dehumanizing, right? That's kind of the problem with labels immediately. For sure. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, going, so I've got, I, I just, I gained that experience at a very early age around, you know, responsibility and, and making decisions and caring for people and, um, you know, having, I think a lot of built up resentment in my teenage years around, wanting to be able to do certain things that other people could do. And at the same time, wasn't necessarily able to do them or able to do them the same way. And, and by the way, still had a great, you know, great high school experience, great university. Like I've had a great life. So it's not, it, it's not to say that it negatively impacted me. Um, it, but it, it, it definitely did have an impact in terms of, you know, my lens, I've experienced things that people maybe don't have that opportunity to 30 years, my senior kind of thing. Um, so, so yes, yeah, so I, I would say that that, you know, definitely formed and, you know, the, the drive for education to be independent. Um, you know, both my grandmas love to travel, um, travel also an opportunity for me to escape you know, yes. and to, to free yeah. myself from some responsibilities. Although, you know, we're, t- we're talking on zoom today. I remember very clearly when Skype was first in, in kind of the early, early to mid two thousands doing, you know, some long distance calls with my parents. Cause my mom was going through a rough time and, you know, just when someone you love is hurting and doing their very best and they just can't make it out of the situation they're in. It's so touching and heartbreaking and you can feel helpless. And so that makes you want to feel like you want to do everything you can to help them, but also to control a lot of aspects. And so, you know, being meticulous, being a planner, controlling, anticipating all possible outcomes. Those are all things that help serve me very well later in my career. Yeah. Interesting. I'm kind of looking back on where, where, they, where they came from. And sometimes some of our deepest, rudest skills come from, we're often, I'll use the word traumatizing experiences that at the time we just dealt with because you had no choice, right? You just, you had to deal with that. Yeah. And it's just a family dynamics, right? Like it's no one's, it's no one's fault. And I look at the situation we're in right now where a lot of people have done everything right. And they're experiencing something that is completely beyond their control. 
Yes. Uh, speaking of the mental health aspects of, you know, oftentimes you can see a business that's failing or struggling and be like, oh, well, yeah, but somebody did this or somebody was reckless or somebody did that. Or now it was the, you know, the universal left hook that came out of nowhere and just hit you in the chin. And, you know, quote unquote, you could have been doing everything perfectly, whatever that means in business, there's many versions of it. And then all of a sudden whammo. And I like, I like what you said about there's just, there's things that happen that maybe they weren't anybody's fault. They just were what they were. And sometimes just embracing that thing for what it is in the moment versus creating a big story around it. And that's the, we, we tell a lot of stories and those stories don't always help us. <laughs> right. Well, and it's, it's that judgment, right? Like it, it's the, you know, we judge ourselves on our intentions. We judge <laughs> other people's on their behaviors. Right. And their I, actions. I, lo- I love that one, <laughs> <laughs> but there's also like just judgment in general, you know, you never know someone else's story and, Oh, it's, it's fraught with risk. Let's be honest. If you're going to start judging, (laughs) it's kind of like when you point at me, there's four fingers pointing back at you and all those jokes, it's kind of the same. Like, you know, you, 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 you bring out a wide sweeping judgment. What, what does it limit you from experiencing next? Because you close the door with that judgment. Like so many times I'm like, Oh yeah, I knew what you're going to say. Well, did I, even if like, why didn't I just wait and have the experience instead of letting my mind go and come to some weird foregone conclusion that had nothing to do with the situation I was in, except some past markers I might've had about it. Right. Or, or even, even if you knew what they're going to say, it's the why, like, you yes. know, and people can arrive at the why in a very, very different way. So, I mean, some of the things that I, that I have gleaned from that experience is, you know, I, and more recently, I would say in the last, probably, this is a lesson that I continue to learn. And I think I'm, you know, I get closer every time is to ask for help. Right. Um, you know, I, I think asking for help is really important. And, and it's okay to ask for help with expectation and without expectation, right? Okay. You can ask for help without expectation. And if someone isn't in a position to help you, that's okay. And, and for people who are really close to you, it's also, it's okay to say, Hey, you know, I'm, I wouldn't normally ask for this, but this is a circumstance where I really need help. Not telling them specifically what you need or, or determining what they can give you, but just that open, open call for help to say, mm-hmm. Hey Tyler, like I'm, you know, I'm having a rough time. I need help. And, and then for you to pick up that baton, right? Like that's kind of, to me, that's a marker of that relationship. It's not to say I need help moving my furniture. Cause I know that's a hard no from you, but <laughs> I'm glad, but, I'm but, glad I, we've established some healthy boundaries yeah. in our relationship. Indeed, indeed. I will help you find yeah. a mover. I can recommend some names, but I don't, I'm not going to come over and do it. But anyway, that's but I, I right. it's so much, to me, it's so much about when I'm listening, you talk so much about attachments. It's, you know, what story do we attach to even having to ask for help or what, 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 what that story we tell or the, the, the attachment, what does it mean? It just means I'm asking for help. That's what it means. <laughs> but we, but we layer in all these other meanings and they're always based on our filters and sometimes they help us and sometimes they don't. <laughs> sometimes they hurt us. Actually, I'll be bold. Well, I, I, I would agree. Like in, and, and what the irony is, you know, the people who are most unwilling to ask for help are the people who most want to give the help. Oh, that's right? interesting. Yeah. Or, or I'll, I'll speak specifically for me and not talking in generalities. <laughs> I love helping people, you know, and, and asking for help has always been very difficult for me, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons, cause I'm independent cause I want to be able to do it myself, you know, all those kind of things. And, you know, uh, to, to your point, also boundaries, boundaries are really important to, be able to set those and say, this is mine and this is yours. And I'm going to be responsible for what's mine. Right. Um, you know, people with mental illness, you can't put yourself in a position where you feel that you're responsible for their happiness. And I see that in a lot of different relationships. Um, uh, and, Mm. and so being able to identify that I think is important. And, and also, you know, in the asking for help is also to remember that we are not alone. I am not alone. You are not alone. Right. And, and I think that that, I think deep down, a lot of people feel alone and, and it's people that we wouldn't might, we wouldn't necessarily expect. I, I, I think that, that we live in a, it's, it's really easy to be like, well, all these, all of these people, all of you have it together. I have this, you don't, it's imposter syndrome. It's so many of those things. We, 
we paint these elaborate stories around, uh, I think I've said that six times in this call, uh, but what, what we think the world is versus what it is and how I think you might have it all together because you're assertive and you've kind of got that air of confidence. I think it's, you know, I should ask that is like, and I know I've dealt with it, so not to project here, but has that ever been a challenge because you are confident and you are outgoing? There's uh, people around you are like, well, you, you wouldn't know what that's like. You're, you're never you never question yourself or you never have self-doubt. And I've had people say that to me. I'm like, oh, wow, that's not, that is not what's going on. But maybe that's what it shows up as. And I think it's gotten my way a few times. I don't know. Have you, uh, knowing you as well as I do, and you've got a similar air of confidence about you, has that ever kind of been a tripping point for you or kind of, kind of maybe hindered in relationships over the years? Yeah. I mean, for sure, I would say you are not alone. In that. <laughs> that was, that was a very weak cry for help right there. That's what that was. <laughs> I failed it really poorly. <laughs> yeah. You, you are definitely not alone. And thank, and thank you, Colleen. <laughs> where I think it also shows up at different times in different circumstances with different people. Mm. Right. Um, you know, I can feel very confident about a number of things and in a number of areas of my life. And, and feel very vulnerable or, or be questioning in others. And so for sure, I've gotten that feedback of, you know, how can you be so confident or this isn't an issue for you or you would just say what you think. And, um, you know, I'm reminded of, you. I'm reminded of some of the lessons I've learned along the way and how I've incorporated them into to my fabric. So, you know, I, I used to um, tell everyone what I thought all the time because I thought that was, that was my brand and that's what people wanted from me. And if they knew me and they asked me a question, I would be doing them a disservice by not being completely mm, open yeah, and honest yeah. about that. Give, giving them, like, giving them both barrels, maybe perhaps from time to time. <laughs> right. Like, like it almost felt like lying to me if I didn't tell them everything that I thought in the veracity that I thought it. And I have a really good friend, Rick Larson. And, and he said, you know, Colleen, um, what people expect from you is not always what people want from you. Ooh. That's, hmm. Yeah. And, and so yeah, yeah, you, know, that, that, me, you could, you could, you could it, spend hours with a glass of wine unpacking all the levels of that one. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and, and so it, I, it, to your question earlier about, you know, who has kind of helped and shaped and mentored mm-hmm. at every turn, I have had men and women who have, you know, shaped me, whether it was, you know, Rick as, as a leader who, you know, is a very good friend, um, you know, coaches, even, even clients. Like I love, I love learning from clients, mm, yep. you know, I observing them, uh, even people that I perhaps wouldn't choose to include in my circle. I look at them and I think there's something that they have that I, that I don't, and I want to know how they got that. You know, like there's, they're, they're really good at something that I'm not good at. And I want to know what that is. And I want to learn from that. So I don't know. I kind of wound myself into a tangent there. In, 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 a, in a case like that, I'm curious, like I, I like, I think modeling is a, is a fantastic way. If you see someone who's good at something you want to be good at, go talk to them. And sometimes they do it so organically, they don't even know what it is that they're doing. Other times they do. In a case like that, will you lean in and, and have the, the conversation and kind of ask it? Or is it more, do you take it from an observational or does it really just depend on the relationship? I think it depends on the relationship for sure. You know, another great, uh, inspiring uh, coach and mentor for me is Sue McKenzie and um, and what she she is very incredibly intelligent very well respected kind and direct and so she really gets me and so she'll say you know how much of this is you versus how much of uh, this is them right mm. <laughs> and and so you know I really value those people who will hold up the the mirror and, uh, and I know I certainly, as you know, hold up the mirror for everyone else. So it's important <laughs> to have some people hold up the mirror for me. Yes. Um, sometimes the mirror has two sides. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, I think it depends on the nature of the relationship. I think that I observe, even right now with my new role, I have a list going of observations that I've made about others j- just to understand the culture and how how I'm going to fit in, bring something to it, contribute and, and uphold. And, um, and so the observation is key. And then I test, I'll say, Hey, you know, what does this mean? Or I saw this normally I would think this, but 
I think it might mean this in this circumstance. What do you think? And uh, I just did that on Friday. I, I was I, I work with uh, someone on a board who has a real talent and skill. And I called her after and said, you know, you've got this. I want to learn that from you. What do yes. I need to do? I really like the I really like what you said about being deliberate about it, like taking the time, make the observation, analyze it versus just like, well, this is who I am. I'm just going to show up and it'll work out the way it works out. I do appreciate. And maybe that is something that evolves over time. The the idea of being deliberate about it and knowing that all of these behaviors are they're all choices that are all and they're all tools and used appropriately can do a beautiful finishing job, use a sledgehammer and it puts a hole through the door. Like there's two, you know, the same tool, <laughs> both a hammer, but it, you know, how, yes. how you use it. And I know myself getting a little bit older. I maybe, I maybe pulled the sledgehammer a little bit less often, but that's, that's another story. <laughs> right. Well, and that's part of like the know your audience, right? Yes. Like absolutely. if it's a safe space, then you can, you know, let your freak flag fly and bring out the sledgehammer. <laughs> right? <laughs> but yeah, I, like, I think that's, it's the knowing the audience and that's, you know, you want to be open and be authentic and be yourself and also know your audience. And that's more, that's, as, that's as much for you as it is for them. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. If, it, if you truly care about how your message is received and about the, you can't not think about your, you can't not be audience centric in your conversation. Exactly. So you've, you've, you know, obviously we've kind of jumped over a few things and got a little bit more uh, philosophical than in terms of chronological, which, which is, which is great. So now you've, you're in a larger firm, you, you know, this is a different environment for you. So just curious, kind of some of your goals, and obviously you made this, this, this change for, for a reason. What's the future look like? How we're, what, we're, we're building, we're building our story. So where do you see it going? And obviously I know you're, you are, I know you, cause I know you're very deliberate about things. So what's the path and how, what, what, what let's look at the bricks as they're being laid out here. Well, I'm on day 31, so I'm definitely still learning. I have yet to put, uh, put a foot in our new office or the, the office space since I joined. That's right. You're the, yeah, you're, you're the new employee who's never been to the office yet well, since she's been hired. Yeah. I know you've been there before. Exactly. So, uh, you know, for me, I'm really excited about the opportunity to be entrepreneurial in a large organization. Mm -hmm. And so I'm building the mid market and private business for Deloitte in the Prairie, so Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba in consulting. And so it's just such a cool opportunity to build within the safety, security, and structure of an organization that has a lot of tools and, and also allows for a lot of latitude and creativity. And, you know, probably one of the surprises for me has been, you know, it, it is still in the old well-tooled machine, the relationships and, and how you build those. And, and, you know, and I'm not, I'm not surprised by that in that I knew that that was the case, but to the extent that, 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 that continues to, to matter is something that I personally find refreshing because oh, okay. I'm very much about the relationships. Well, I find, I don't know if this certainly my, nothing much in life happens without a relationship somewhere. If you don't have that relationship, yes, you still need to provide value and do all those other things, but that without a relationship, especially in that kind of world of consult, it, it's, there's so much interpersonal that's required for it to be successful. To one, to even get in the door, to start to even give the opportunity to provide value right off the face. Absolutely. You, well, are, and you know, sorry, just, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say one more thing, which is, you know, for me, I just, I want to help people. I want to help them feel successful. I want to help them be successful at, like at an individual and an organizational level. And so my, my first question is always tell me about what you're doing and, and why it's important to you and what's keeping you up at night. And then let's see if there's a way that we can help you. You've right? asked like me that, that, asked me that me question multiple times. So yes, I can attest right. that that's true that you do open with that question. <laughs> Are you, I'm curious, just the dynamics, and because you and I haven't talked about this, are you inheriting a book? I know you're in there to build a business, but you mentioned your focus, it says on your LinkedIn, as I'm creeping you right now, focus on a portfolio of fantastic clients. Did you inherit a book of business or are you there basically kind of building this practice using that infrastructure, but with a lot of your own kind of backward, your, your own network and your own background? Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a lot of contributors. So we, we have a lot of great clients in the prairies we maybe just have not provided consulting services to them before. Okay. And so we've got uh, fantastic partners who have great relationships with our clients. Um, they, we just haven't been in a position to offer uh, a specific mid-market or private offering that is right-sized for them. And so it's understanding what the offerings are internal, 
what is going to match up with those organizations' challenges, and can we and how can we help them within a timeline and a scope and a price point that really works for them. Okay, and so you're so, able to you so you're there to kind of create that market. Like, there's all these tools and there's all these clients, but that market fit of like what's the right service packages and products, and how do we bring this across for this group of people is what you're. Oh, that's an interesting challenge. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, Deloitte is a matrix organization which affords us many benefits. So I belong to a national team of Deloitte private and mid market and consulting, and so I've got peers, um, you know, from. Ontario and Quebec um, as well. That So we, we kind of share and collaborate. And then I've got my peers in consulting, uh, which is both national and by region. And then I've got this great peer network in, in the Midwest, in the Prairies region, in Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba. And so there's lots of intellectual property, intellectual capital, um, you know, knowledge of clients and their challenges and the relationships. And it's really this data gathering exercise. And then we also have, you know, as uh, as Steve Brown says, you know, a lot of really smart people who are above our pay grade that have kind of looked at the landscape and said, this is an area where we want to play and given us not only some strategic direction, but some tools and, and some guidance on how we want to go about that. <sighs> That sounds, I'm excited for, I'm more excited for you now that I'm really understanding on, on, on unpacking the role. Uh, what do you, what do you yeah, see as your big, you weren't sure. You weren't I wasn't, sure I, no, I, I was on the fence. You first told me, you're like, no, I'm, I'm hanging up my, my, you know, my independent practice and I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm going client, I'm going to, I'm going to the, to the consultant. I was like, I, I think my, I, I just, I think I was really open with like, I don't even know. I don't even understand who are you right now? <laughs> No, but the more I understand it and the more I, you know, get you let me into the tent and I get to learn and understand the opportunity, it does. It makes a lot of sense. I'm very, I'm excited for you around it. What do you see as your biggest challenge right now with this role? Focus. I think there's so many opportunities. It is about focusing where it makes sense for the clients and the firm and my own personal motivation to do good and to do good work and to help people. And I think that particularly this, and it goes back to the very first question you asked me, Tyler, which is, you know, I'm joining this firm at this, you know, unique time in history. And there are so many people that need help in so many different ways. And my nature is I want to help everyone. And so I, it is about any strength focusing. can quickly spiral into a weakness if, if not managed. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so I think, so it is really about focus and, and also, you know, just knowing, you know, maybe this person really needs a lot of help right now and they won't need help later. And so how do we, how do we balance that? And, um, and also it goes back to the relationships. Like I have some great relationships and, you know, they may be new to newer to the firm or have, had a relationship with the firm in a different way. And so, you know, there's, there's always some folks in your career that you will go to the mat for till the end of days. And so there's some folks like that, that I really want to make sure that we as an organization take VIP care of them. And so it's, I think aligning that with, you know, our business strategy and, and what makes sense internally as well as what makes sense personally. Well, like you said it's such an exciting time, and because the, literally the mat has been the rug's been pulled out from under all of us, and the pieces are all over the place. The opportunity to put them together strategically and do something different or fast forward—you know, my favorite meme right now among the many of them—is the you know who's responsible for digital transformation at your company? The CEO, the CFO, the CTO. COVID nineteen. You know, there's things right. that are happening right now that are just accelerated. You know. It's, uh, the the future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed. I think the opportunity now for companies to really look at how they get to re-engage from their workforce to the, the way they work, to the way they provide value to their customers. It feels like you kind of started at the perfect time <laughs> as I'm talking it out loud and listening to you talk. Yes, well, it well, is. Well, well done. You, you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I was going to say, if only I had a crystal ball that I could take credit for the perfect timing, that, that is where I have found myself. I definitely should have also bought some lottery tickets. Well, um, yeah, no doubt. Well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk around this being some type of a conspiracy. I just didn't know you were behind it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Tyler, please don't spread that possibly true rumor. Um, <laughs> well, come on. It's the transparency and vulnerability. Like it's misdirection. Oh, she wouldn't have said it if she actually did it. Come on. Right. <laughs> come on. It's my right. grade well, six, my grade six tactics to try to prove that I didn't do the thing that I'm trying about to get in trouble for. <laughs> uh, you know what? You're very skilled in that in many other areas. I was, um, I just mean, say don't that, say that. Don't say that out loud. <laughs> it's true though. It's true. Um, I have just been super impressed in all honesty with the organization that I joined, their leadership, their, the organization's ability to ramp quickly to help people. And we're talking, you know, creating a concierge if people have questions, um, you know, publishing pieces to help people get organized and figure out where to start. I mean, you and I emailed back and forth yep. a little bit about of, that. I have one of Deloitte's dashboards open on my, it's one of, one of my, one of my evergreen browser windows. Those are always there when I click on it. The, the D, the D and the dot are right there. Look, waiting for me when I'm going to go, what's happening? What's the trends? What are the, what's going on? Absolutely. So thank you for sharing Thank that, you. by the way. It's, uh, it's, it's come back to us as clients talking to us about what they're going to do. They were using that as one of their references. So I was like, oh yeah, I already have that going on. So thank you. That actually came full circle. So huge value add there. When I was like, oh, I shared it with the rest of my team. I already had this going on. <laughs> so thank you. Oh, double, double time. Thank you. Yeah, that's uh, Craig Alexander and his team. And, and here's the thing is that, you know, I think uh, a lot of people might think that a large organization is looking at this from a capitalist, how can we make money or save our souls kind of perspective. And not once has that come up in any way, shape or form. In fact, it's been the opposite where I've heard people say, I really want to reach out to my clients just to see if they're okay. And I don't want them to think that I'm reaching out for any other reason than just that. Yes. And that's a very tricky balance right now. The, the, the permissibility around being salesy is not, but the permissibility around I'm here to help uh, absolutely goes a long way. And it is delicate. But as long as you're prepared to find it, if you can provide value, anybody can call me. If you're just calling to be like, you know what I mean? It's that value equation, which I think is always there has become a non-negotiable right now. And I, I think that's okay. <laughs> I agree. I think, you know, and it's just, it, it comes to shared values, right? <laughs> Which is, is you, you want to help people. You want to be authentic. You want to collaborate. You want to, you know, del deliver amazing value. Like those are the things that are very important to me and very important to the organization that I joined. And so like that actually gives me, you know, the Grinch, this, the small glowing heart that grows, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's, that's what makes my heart glow is because, you know, obviously one of the questions that entrepreneurs and, and smaller boutique firms wonder when I say that I've moved to a larger organization is like, you know, are you a soloed? Have you lost your soul? You know, how are you going to align your values to that? Like all those kind of questions. And for me, it's just been so refreshing to have a peer group that is supportive, that, you know, has welcomed me with open arms and said, you know, don't put too much pressure on yourself. We're very complex. Take the time to learn we're here to support you personally, mm -hmm. um, you know, on your journey. And by the way, like, you know, we're here to help you and everyone, you know, and I think that that, like, that just gives me the warm and fuzzies. That's exciting. And it, uh, as someone who was a skeptic, uh, downright, downright surprised and shocked at your choices, it makes, it makes, it's making more sense to me now and listen to you hear you talk about how it does align with values. And, you know, it's, it's not a sellout and it's not your soul and it's not all those things. If you're at a place, no matter what it is that aligns with who you are, then it's the opposite. And it, then it's a force multiplier actually is what I'm hearing loud and clear. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's an amplification and it's still super exciting. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just excited to be able to help as many people as possible do the things that they want to do and let's have some fun along the way. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, always, always time for a little bit of fun. So it makes it makes, makes it worth it. So a, a last question, and this is because I'm going to ask this because I know who you are and I know how much you invest in other people and you're a mentor and you're involved in education and you're involved in so many different things. What any advice you would give someone I'm, I'm coming out of school. I'm in my early twenties, maybe guy, girl, doesn't matter. I'm coming into this, this world. Like, you know, not only has the Calgary, what, you know, Calgary's been back on its heels for five years. Now we've got the other black eye from this black swan and that black swan. Any thoughts? Because I, I know you play such a strong mentorship role and you're involved in a lot of uh, a secondary education. Any advice you give anybody who's coming into the job market right now and just how they would look at things from your, from your view? Yes, lots. Um, I, you know, I think 
one is look at the data, right, on where we are and where we're going. Like, I think trend information is very important um, because things are changing rapidly. I think one of the benefits that young people have is that they're coming out of university and they're, they've been on what the top trends and, and kind of that leading edge, like they're, they're as most, the most informed that they're probably ever going to be from like an academic and, you know, data okay, research perspective yeah. okay. at yeah. that point. Right. Cause it's been the part of their daily life and, and they're the most creative and they're idealistic and they're, you know, probably really in tune with who they are and what they want. And I think sometimes when you come out of university, uh, the real world beats that out of you, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, to spend the time, this is a great time to think about who you are, what are your values, what's really important to you, uh, to to think about that and then just try something. Don't don't be afraid to to try something, take a step and try something. And if it doesn't work, that's okay. And then just move on to do something else. You know, there's like, don't get paralyzed in the fear. I think that that's one thing. And And really listen to, keep your hobbies, right? Like if you've got interesting hobbies, if you're creative or you love music or you like model trains or, you know, astronomy or like whatever it is, like whatever your hobbies and interests, how you like to spend your time. I think that that's really important. Not only because as we're seeing that, you know, people need something to occupy their brain outside of their, their work hours for their own mental health. However, I think some of the most successful people I know, yourself included, are, have kept their own passions burning along the way when they follow different paths. And so like, I don't think you have to choose this or that. It's like carve out time for everything that's important to you. That's as my wife tells me, I'm a lot, I'm, I'm a lot better version of Tyler when I'm doing those exact things that you just talked about. <laughs> yeah. They're highly encouraged in my household because I've been told by a very, a very uh, qualified source that I'm, much more enjoyable to be around and I'm much, much more balanced in my life, but it's easy to lose that when you want to go all in on the one, on the one thing. And I think some personalities can lend to that more. My personality lends to, but I like this and I like that. So it, it, it works for me, but I think it, it is important. Balance, I think is what I would take out of what you said. Don't, don't be, don't I, be scared to put it into balance. <laughs> right. Well, and you know, there's this great article that I often refer to like the five regrets of people who are dying. And I, you know, um, which, you know, sounds like a morbid headline, but it has some really great advice, like live the life you wanted, not the life other people expect of you, you know, tell people how you feel. And that, and that goes both ways, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, you know, I'm a big fan of telling people that you love them and they're important in your life. And also that boundaries piece about, you know what, like, I'm just not where you're at. And probably, you know, this is, this is not where we need to be together. And, uh, you know, spend time with your friends and your family, you know, like some of those things I think are, are hugely important. Yeah, no, no one ever said I should have worked more. I should have spent more time at the office. I should, you know, should, 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 the should, the shoulds. <laughs> right. Well, and don't should yourself, right? Like, yes, don't, don't like, shit all over yourself. When I have a <laughs> There's a, everyone's doing the best that they can. And as long as you know that you've done the best that you can, then that's good enough. Yeah, absolutely. And if you and and you can always get you always get a redo tomorrow. You can just do it differently. Try to try another way. But and you said this back early at the beginning. Like, be reflective on kind of what it is that's working, what's not working, what it's giving you at the end of the day. And maybe it was successful, but you're miserable. Then you need to assess that assess that as well. And I think it's easy to not look at that set of gauges. Sometimes we're kind of taught for these outward set of gauges, but the inward set takes that takes. I think that also takes a little bit of practice and time and permitting yourself to say, yeah, you know what, I'm not into that. That kind of sucked. That's not my thing. <laughs> Well, and also like as adults, we don't like to make mistakes because, you know, sometimes we can feel embarrassed or, you know, humiliated. And it's shame, like, shame, shame is a real thing. Shame is a real yeah. Thing. And it's, you know, I say, well, I'm going to make a ton of mistakes. So let's just make sure that, you know, we're not making the same ones over and over again. And, you yeah, know, we're, then, we're then, then, it, then it starts to look like a bad habit real quickly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. But, you know, like there's a, you know, when we talked about building this market, you know, we talk about failure not being an option and, and, and I agree we're going to be hugely successful. And at the same time, you know, I said, mistakes will be made. Yes. Right. So, and so learnings and learnings out. will be had and learnings will be had. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, that kind of ties into our very first part of the conversation is a lifelong learning, right? Education is a core, core pillar and foundation for me. And I know many others, and we just have to keep learning about ourselves, about others, about the world in general and our place in it. 
Well, I think that's a very nice place to put a pin in it until, until part two, which I'm sure there will be. It took us a while to get part one going, but I already have a list of like all the things we could talk about. Colleen, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really, like again, I was excited to have you on. You did not disappoint, as always. Your transparency, your honesty, your willingness to be vulnerable and be real and also just call it like you see it at that moment. I really appreciate that. So thank you very much for being a guest today. Thank you for being so persistent and for continuing to invite me on despite our scheduling challenges and for not holding any of our technical issues against me. I will not for sure. Well, you know, maybe you'll major. No, I am a dog with a bone and I knew you'd be an awesome guest. So I wasn't, I wasn't going to let you with, we just have to wait for the right time. The stars aligned. Da, 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 da. That's awesome. Yeah, thank perfect. you. And, Thanks, and, yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Hello. And thank you for listening to today's episode. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. I want to let you in on a little secret. I absolutely love doing these podcasts. The learning, the people, the curiosity, the insights, the the wow factor of meeting people that I thought I knew and learning their deeper stories really proves the value of what happens when you take the time to be curious and actually care enough to ask. With that, I'm looking for your feedback. I'm looking for your input. I'm looking for what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, where you'd like to see it headed in terms of guests, in terms of questions, a little bit deeper, please feel free to share. We'd love to get your feedback. Visit us on iTunes, on Spotify. Give us your review. Give us your five stars if you feel so inclined, but more importantly, give us your feedback. Give us your input on what you want to hear on future shows and we will absolutely incorporate it. Thank you again for listening and have an awesome day.